I think one of the hardest questions that a lot of people and marketers have to answer is how do I make our brand cool? How do I make it interesting? How do I make it unique and different in a very competitive market? If you look at restaurants, restaurants have a really hard time making their brand unique and different because there are so many restaurants just locally and around. You know, companies like Buffalo Wild Wings have really unique brands where they target maybe you're a millennial that loves to watch sports. But for the most part, restaurants don't really do a great job of branding themselves to make themselves different in the marketplace. That is, except for our guest on today's podcast. Today, we welcome on Arielle Longsiabra, and she is the chief marketing officer at Goodsense Subs. And let me be honest, guys, Goodsense Subs might be one of my favorite sub places in the world. If you're in the Midwest, if you're in uh, Nebraska, Kansas, parts of South Dakota, they have the best subs in the entire world. You should definitely check it out. But she has done some incredible things with the Goodsense brand. You might think, how can a sub place be cool? Well, what if that sub place led the world in memes? No, no, I mean, seriously, they have more memes than any brand I have ever seen, even more than Elon Musk, and that is really hard to do. So if you're looking for an interesting episode about a really not small brand, but but a smaller brand than we're used to that is doing some incredible things with their brand, please be sure, listen to this episode. And if you are looking to go to a Goodsense sub, my favorite sub is the Penny Club. It's incredible. You're going to love it. So listen to this episode. Go get a sub. Thank you guys for listening. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another Trendsetters CMO podcast. Now, I know in recent episodes, we've communicated with Fortune 1500 CMOs of some of the largest, most iconic brands on this planet. And I always love those conversations because it really allows us to see what some of the biggest brands and CMOs in the world are doing. But what I don't like about those conversations is a lot of it is not applicable. There's not a lot about advertising for the World Cup that most of us listening to this podcast are ever going to be able to apply. So without further ado, today I welcome on the CMO of actually one of my favorite like multi-location uh, local local sub shops that I grew up going to, actually Goodsense Subs. And today I'm joined by Ariel Longsiabra, the CMO who is in, in charge of marketing and branding with the Goodsense team. Ariel, it's truly a pleasure to have you on today. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for for having me. I'm really excited to be here and uh, like you said, talk about some, uh, maybe some more uh, boots on the ground sort of marketing strategies for more more regional regional brands. Yeah, certainly. So the first question I have for you is giving us a breakdown of that Goodsense brands. Now I know myself as an individual, I grew up with one probably a half mile away from my house. Yeah. And- it was actually, uh, oddly enough, it, it was the it was the place where when mom wouldn't let us go to McDonald's up the street, uh, <laughs> we, we got to go to Good Sense. So it was an awesome kind of second option that was really a first option because she wasn't going to let us go eat French fries every day. Yeah, uh, yeah. But 
natural sandwich that, that that's totally totally possible. So for those that aren't aware of the Good Sense brand, I'd love for you to give kind of an intro to the business, to the brand, uh, before we kind of dive into the guts of things here. Absolutely. So we were founded in Lenexa, Kansas in 1989. So uh, just over 30 years ago. Um, and we were really founded um, on basically this giant sub that was fresh, freshly sliced. So we slice all of our meats and cheeses uh, to order. So if you order our signature sandwich, the Penny Club, um, we're going to slice roast beef, ham, and turkey right in front of you. We're going to weigh it out. It's really more of a um, experience than maybe uh, you would have at a at a competitor of ours. Our bread is also our signature. Um, we have a distinctly soft bread. Uh, our founder, when he started, he actually proofed our bread in his dishwasher. Um, when he was like first tinkering around with it, uh, to figure out how to get it explicitly as soft as possible. So if you're like a crusted bread person, like good sense is not your scene because we just, we really specialize in super soft bread. And then I, I'd say the other thing that we really specialize in are our giant cookies. Um, so good sense cookies are, uh, pretty, uh, renowned in the Midwest. <laughs> uh, they're large and they, uh, taste, this is, I realize all cookies are this, but they taste a little bit like baked cookie dough. So again, very like, uh, very, uh, very addicting. Yeah. That's what I'll say. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, certainly. And that's, uh, that, uh, there's certainly worse things that can happen. Now, something I find so interesting with your brand of which I happen to follow on social media, particularly Instagram yeah. uh, is approach to things. And typically when you look at like regional brands that still have kind of the local feel, um, what's a good way of saying this? Their social media typically sucks. In your case though, you have really found kind of a unique positioning and really created unique content that isn't just your classic, like here's a picture of our food, come in and eat at and buy our stuff, right? Oh, it's, yeah. it, those that haven't checked out the Instagram page right now, Eat Good Sense, verified on Instagram. It's incredible, you know, variations of meme content and just interesting, interesting stuff that you're actually going to engage with. I'd love to hear uh, your kind of perspective as a CMO in terms of like how you build out that social media strategy um, and, you know, how you take that leap. I, I assume that might have been an in, a difficult conversation internally to have or I would just love to hear kind of what that process looks like. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Your approach to it, yeah. So um, I, I will say, going back to what you introed at the beginning of like these larger region, like larger national brands, um, for the most part, have a lot of really, really strong red tape. Um, I know that uh, at a, a previous restaurant concept that I worked for, there was an issue at some point with the um, social media person at the time wanting to sort of step into memes and say like, can I has a cheeseburger? And because the person who was in charge didn't understand memes, they were like, absolutely not. We don't understand it. It might be offensive. So we're not moving forward with that. Um, yeah. Versus at a, a concept our size and especially our brand, one of the things I find really endearing about Good Sense is uh, we're sort of a little weird. Uh, um, we have the Mr. Good Sense character that we um, endearingly love. And he's, you know, he's a penny and he's sort of odd, but like in the best way. Um, so we have sort of this like offbeat, off brand 
brand already, which um, gives us a little bit of permission to step into maybe these more um, odd spaces that someone might consider like memes to be unconventional marketing. Obviously, they're becoming more mainstream now, but I'd say the other piece of it is making sure that you have good content to share. So obviously there's a, a subreddit fellow uh, fellow kids that's basically full of like cringy memes uh, that marketing campaigns do. And so when you step into this space, you have to be confident that you're going to be able to at least put forward content that people relate to. And, and some of that is taking a step back from it just being about your brand. Um, and sometimes that can be hard for people to um, buy into when you're trying to market your brand is, okay, well, if this isn't explicitly about how we get people to buy a um, $4 sandwich, then why would we post this? And um, one of the things that we've really been focused on is building brand value from our brand like we have a superior product we have a like a superior sort of uh like i said offbeat and quirky brand and what our instagram does for us is really leans into sort of the offbeatness of our culture um while still talking about about good sense for us we have we have the right person in place to be able to execute those memes uh his name is cole mcmillan and he does a great job um putting those in place and we have a good time curating that content right it's it's fun for us to market that way so yeah um for us it was it was much easier than maybe it would be for a larger brand to do that because ultimately it's it's just me that has to say yes let's yes. do yes yeah, certainly. You don't go through some of that red tape and that's where it is beneficial being a smaller brand. And, and I love your approach and reasoning as to why. It's because you need consumers to be buying into your brand. And I think yeah. it's it, really vital to highlight that, particularly with a regional brand where there's there's more subway locations than even McDonald's. There's more subway locations than any other restaurant chain on the planet. There's one on probably every corner. You have Quiznos, you have Chipotle everywhere, McDonald's everywhere. There's competition everywhere. It's fierce in that industry. So if you just market and advertise towards products, you're playing a losing battle because where can I buy a sandwich? Well, there's a lot of places you can get a sandwich. There's a lot of, you know, you could go make one your own from the grocery right. store. Yeah. So I love that you're focused on Let's get people to buy into good sense, not get people to buy into a $4 sandwich or even a $5 sandwich, which I know right now, right. Subway now has to sell that $5 foot long and they're, yeah. they're literally selling it at like close to a loss when you right. factor in. So, well, and actually, it's funny you bring that up because I am I'm really proud of our, our franchisees and our um, marketing approach because this has really proven out that like our guests, our loyal good sense guests do value our product. And what we were able to see is that um, like people came out in full force to support their local good sense franchisees. Um, and we're in a place where we don't need to be offering $5 sandwiches. And quite frankly, I don't want to, like, I don't, I don't want a guest to buy a sandwich for $5 and think one, why have you been overcharging me for the last however long, if you could sell it for $5 in the first place, but also too, like, I mean, our quality is better than $5. Like yeah. we're doing it better and you value it more when you put more on the line too. Yeah, certainly. I think that's incredible insight. And I love that you kind of stick your guns there. 
it's hard to do. <laughs> it's really, it's hard to do because especially as a marketer, when you walk in, everybody's like, okay, raise sales tomorrow. And the easiest way to do that is to say, okay, we're selling everything for half of whatever it used to cost. And like, look, the sales went up. Um, it's much harder yeah. to believe in your product. Yeah, it's a losing battle that you play when you start chasing short-term sales and sacrificing long-term brands. So I, I love that you've taken that. Now, the next question I have for you, specific to kind of the QSR quick serve restaurant space for those listening, um, with the integration of now delivery becoming more the norm with DoorDash, Postmates, others, with technology and apps, you know, Chipotle's app is one of the most popular on the market. McDonald's, yeah. I know I have that one downloaded because I get free fries like all the time. Uh, I know you guys kind of have your, your own variation of that. And then pair alongside that COVID and what that's kind of brought with shifts in the market. I love to hear how you've kind of shifted things thus far to meet the demands of like today's consumer of which, you know, they're ordering from different places. They're not always coming in. They might be yeah. concerned about X, Y, and Z. I'd love to hear it, it, any thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of like operationally, what we did and how we reacted um, uh, from an online ordering perspective, we were lucky enough to already have an online ordering provider that we were able to sort of quickly pivot to curbside. Um, we've been delivering since 1989, so that wasn't a major change for us at all. Um, and then obviously you've got your third party delivery services like DoorDash and Postmates um, that really, really come into play um, as well in getting incremental orders into, into your local restaurants. Um, from a marketing perspective, what we did, um, just like you said earlier, everybody can make a sandwich at home. Um, and yeah. so when COVID started to hit, I started to get really nervous because that's exactly what people were stocking up on to go home and make themselves. Like, Nobody was going to pay good sense to make them a sandwich when they were supposed to be staying inside because it's the one recipe that everybody can make. Um, so what we did, uh, and it hit me like a rock in the head when I went to my fridge and I had run out of turkey meat uh, to make my own sandwich. I was like, what are we doing? We we sell this stuff that everybody is short on, you know? Uh, and this is before like grocery programs had really become a thing in COVID, but I was like, people are out of bread, they're out of meat, they're out of cheese, and we sell it. And they're looking for ways to support local businesses, too, is the other thing. Like, people wanted to give back as long as you were stepping up and providing them with a, a service that also helped them. So we immediately implemented... Um, a $5 program, which is a little bit different because we were putting it in place as like a... Do, like, do this for us and we'll do this for you uh, sort of immediate sort of come together assistance program called stock the fridge um, where we sold $5 pounds of meat and cheese and bread. Um, and actually that's something that we have carried forward even past the largest impact of COVID is this is a, a product offering that emphasizes a point of differentiation for us. And we should absolutely continue to provide that um, not at $5, but yeah, <laughs> we're still able, still able to provide it. So um, that and really focusing on local um, for COVID and how we responded. Obviously, uh, I hope it's a given that as a restaurant, we did all of the uh, put put the sneeze guards up, make sure everybody's clear on how to wash their hands, take their temperatures, do a wellness check. Like we did all of the like normal health precautions that restaurants are already pretty good at doing in the first place. Um, yeah. 
but the, the, I'd say the last thing we did um, was really leaning into our local franchisees. Most of our locations are owned by one person, like one person owns one store um, and those people live in those markets. Um, and so we highlighted their stories of this is who's going to make your sandwich and this is them wearing a mask and thank you for supporting them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredible insight. And I love that you did make that kind of product innovation shift. That's always something that I think we're, we're continuing to see more of, like the role of marketing take on a product innovation standpoint. And I know S- Steve Leonard, the, the CMO of North Face, talked about that. He's also the head of product. Of He's yeah. like, I talk with consumers all day. So what do I do? I go tell our product team what they need to be doing. And so I'm also our head of product. And I don't know how he does both jobs, but <laughs> good for him. Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. So the next question I have for you is really around kind of your career and growth thus far and providing insight to that next generation and those that are hopefully kind of entering into roles soon uh, with kind of COVID opening up and hopefully some marketing opportunities along the horizon for our audience here. Um, Obviously, based on your LinkedIn, you went to Truman State. Is that correct? Yeah, it is. Uh, Go Bulldogs. Yeah. And obviously, then you've worked your way up now to being the CMO of a regional brand. And I know I can speak from my own experience when one growing up in the Midwest, if this isn't New York, LA, uh, I didn't know anything about advertising until I actually was on a call with Noodles and Company corporate and they were they told me about it. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Or like, is this your business model? And I was like, no, but now it is. No, and, but, you know. but uh, and, and similarly, going to you know, a college like Truman State or University of Kansas, Missouri. I mean, these are all great universities, but this isn't, you know, Ivy League, this isn't NYU, this isn't UCLA, USC. We're not really connected with what's happening on Madison Avenue in New York or working with these large brands or what's happening in the ad world. So I'd love to hear your thoughts of, of if you could kind of walk us through like your career progression when you, when you started learning about kind of marketing, advertising, the ad world, and when it was there a moment in time when you said, I want to be a CMO of a brand one day? Was that ever something you set out to do? Uh, I think, well, so th- th- those are big questions, right? Is do you start with the end in mind? Do people do people start with like, I want to be president, right? Because coming out of, of college and saying, I want to be CMO as a person with a marketing degree is relatively ballsy. There are limited opportunities to be CMO, especially of a company you like. Um, Not that it's any easier to be a CMO of a company you don't like. But, uh, you know, in terms of my career, what I set out to do was like chase the things that I liked doing. Um, So at each step in my career, what I wanted to do was more of whatever I was already doing that I liked. Um, and lucky, luckily enough, I was able to find Good Sense and they have been a fantastic brand for someone like me and has been really open to, okay, you like this facet of your job, um, let's help you explore that piece of it. So uh, in terms of advice, I would make sure that you really like the brand and the company that you work for that's willing to provide those opportunities to you and believes in you. Um, I know that I was originally offered to be able to oversee the marketing department um, after I had been here for four years. But at that time, I was 25. 
So they were asking a 25-year-old to replace the person who had been in charge, um, you know, to oversee their whole marketing strategy for 60 plus restaurants and the kind of faith that you have to have in that employee at that point in time is, is a lot. Um, so my employer really is a big piece of my own success. So if you're not working for someone who doesn't believe in you, um, then you can't be surprised when you don't find those opportunities for growth. Um, yeah. So in terms of when I started to like marketing, I had the opportunity to work for Applebee's um, in college. Yeah. Their their corporate office at the time was in Kansas City. And I got exposed. It was a, a fantastic opportunity for me because another piece of advice is to get yourself exposure to as many people and things as you can as early as you can. Um, because like you said, in the Midwest, it's it's really hard. Like you don't you have very limited exposure to different sorts of career types. Um, and I was lucky enough to be able to be exposed to a national brand here in Kansas City. Um, but it was sort of a, a one-off accident that I was able to work there in the first place. And from there, I was able to see menu development. I was able to see commercial production. I was able to see um, like proofing menus, menu organization, franchisees, like and how you deal with them, you know, all of these rollout strategies. And it's a, it's a really impressive organization. And I got to see, I like that. I don't like that. I want to do more of that. And then take that with me into my next role of I've been exposed to all of these things. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's incredible, uh, incredible insight and advice. And I think it's so vital that today's um, kind of generation go and work for the right employers and brands that are going to be able to support their career and their progression through that. Uh, my final question for you is around kind of that career progression, which you obviously highlighted a little bit, but in terms of CMOs, particularly ones we've talked to, you're certainly on the younger side of CMOs. And so kind of with that in mind, I'd love to hear what advice you have for young marketers. Do you do they need to be adding hard skill sets to their core? Do they need to be working on soft skills like communication leadership? Do they need to work on more of the hard like data and paid media and social? What are your thoughts on that if if you weigh one way or the other or just your thoughts as a whole? Yeah, no, I think that's a great question. Um, I think for me, one of the the best pieces of advice, I think, as a young marketer is to like stay focused on what you know is important. Um, and so, I mean, that's really been a, a marketing strategy for us is, you know, we want to stay focused on the fact that we're a local company. And for a long time, we weren't getting credit for that. Like we were founded here and we were trying to pretend to be a national brand because someone thought it sounded flashier, but that's not who we are. And like, know that people care about the quality of your product. Like that's what you need to stay focused on is delivering on what you're selling people. Um, and I think really, if that's your end goal, everything after that is gravy. Because I mean, that impacts your social strategy, it impacts your email strategy, it impacts your menu panels, like all of that is focused around your product and making sure that you're you believe in it and what you and you're actually talking about what you actually do. Um, so I, I know that's sort of a loose answer. But really, I think similar to, you know, what I said earlier in my career path of being like, oh, I like more of this. I want to follow that. Like, I think it's very similar is follow the things that 
you like and you're passionate about. And for me, that's been brand storytelling. So that's what I've continued to focus on. And you just sort of acquire skills tangently that are next to that in pursuit of that one goal. Does that make yeah. sense? No, definitely. I think, uh, I think the, the, the typical adage in, in, in marketing and for marketers is like, we take the product and we throw the product away and just worry about the brand. But at the end of the day, like this is converting to a sale and to a product and our marketing, it doesn't necessarily need to be limited to the brand, but it has to be aligned around that. And if the quality, if you're not producing a quality product, uh, you, your marketing is not going to hide that, you know, Absolutely. great marketing. Yeah. Great marketing with a poor product is only going to expose your products more than it's going to, uh, more going more than going to like get people to buy so that is absolutely yeah. right yeah so also another tip for young advertisers is work for someone yeah. with a good product because otherwise exactly what you said will happen yeah same advice from the agency perspective do not work with <laughs> you're gonna do i promise you you're gonna spend so much time and energy and it's not gonna sell and it's gonna be your fault when the product sucks so that's also my advice from the agency side of things but i think overall incredible and advice. And it, it was truly a pleasure having you on today. As we think about the future of QSR, as we think about the future of our potential careers, like in marketing advertising for those listening right now, I think this podcast serves as a really good episode to continually kind of tune back into, uh, take notes on and provide action items here. That's real practical advice that they can apply to their day to day. So that's probably what I would end with it. Do you have any concluding remarks, maybe like a, maybe a promotion there? <laughs> no, uh, I, well, yes, we did just launch a sandwich with a pound of meat. Um, so that's exciting, but, uh, yeah, yeah, it's very, it's very exciting, but no, I think that it, for the most part, what, what I would just reiterate is to really stay focused on who you are and what you do. Cause I mean, people, people buy in, buy into that. Um, and the people who don't are not your customers. Don't try to be yeah. everything to everybody. Yeah, great, great advice. Well, thank you so much for your time. As always, thank you all for tuning in. If you go ahead and screenshot the podcast right now, share it to your Instagram story, I will personally Venmo you uh, whatever the price of a GoodSense sub is. So <laughs> go, but you have to spend it on GoodSense. I need to see the receipt or else yes. I'm, I'm back that Venmo. That but... Yes. Of course. Of course. Thank you all for tuning in and I will see you all next week.